Thanks for listening to the weekly Overflow Church podcast. We hope you enjoy this sermon by Jesse Cup. For more information, visit overflowindy.com or visit us on Facebook at Overflow Indy. We're, we're on a, a, a topic right now that's real important to me. Uh, I want you to go ahead and put that, John, if you are able to put, put the vision statement up. Um, <clears throat> if you guys would read this with me out loud, I'll, I'll just guide us into it, and let's just do this. And you guys who have been with us, you know what we're focusing on the most right now. All right, one, two, three. Our vision is to advance God's kingdom on earth by hosting his presence and raising up a healthy family of powerful revivalists who are advancing in the kingdom. All right, so that's we've been saying that thing for over five years now. And, and we're, we're staying the course with this. And we've done awesome with the hosting his presence part. And we all know that we love like the, just the family thing that we got going on here. Um, but we're focusing right now on that raising up a healthy family part because there's, there's just more. There's just greater places to go with that. And, and God's vision and dream for that piece right there is far beyond where we're at. I'd say we've come a long ways, but there's a long ways to go, and it's wonderful. And I'm excited about the things that he wants to do in that. <clears throat> and and we've, been, we've been hanging out in Matthew chapter 16, verses 16 through 18 for uh, many, many weeks. And, but we've been focusing on other parts of that, but I actually brought that verse in last week not to continue that same series, but because we're kind of kicking into a new focus. Um, but it all has to do with God's church and God's version of the church, and we really want to press into seeing his church the way he sees it so that we can align our ways with his ways and actually act like a church that he always dreamed of. Amen? Amen. So I want, to, I want to read Matthew 16, 18 again. Um, this was when Jesus was talking to Peter after Peter had the re- revelation that his father gave him that he is the Christ, the son of the living God. And so Matthew 16, 18, Jesus said, I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church. Everybody say, I will build my church. I will build my church. And the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. All right, so we've been talking a lot about um, build my church. We've been talking about the church piece of it. That that's the Greek word ekklesia. All right, and last week um, I know some of you didn't get to be here for this, but uh, I, I talked about that word build because that word build is actually a really important word. Um, it, Jesus is not just simply saying I'm I'm here so that I can create a church. Like, it's not just, I'm going to construct a church. That word build is the Greek word oikodomeo. Can you say that? Oikodomeo. And the word oikodomeo means to build, because he said, I will build my church. It means to build. It means to strengthen. It means to build up. All right? To build up. Say it again. Oikodomeo. So oikodomeo is a compound word in the Greek that comes from two root words in the Greek. 
um, oikos, so oiko domeo, it comes from oikos, and it comes from doma, all right? The word doma means roof, like a roof over a house. Doma means roof over a house. And oikos means house, and it means household, but it means family, all right? Oikos, everybody say oikos. Family. Oikos. House. Oikos. Household. All right? Oikos. Doma, roof. Roof over house. So when you put those two words together, oikos and doma, it's oikodomeo, and it means to build, but it doesn't just simply mean like building a structure. It literally means that you're building a house to contain a family within it. Okay, so, so Jesus is saying on this rock, talking about the revelation of who Jesus is in, in truth, right? This, he's the Christ, the Son of the living God. On this revelation of who I am, I'm going to build my church. He's not just saying I'm going to throw together and construct a, a church and, you know, and then the gates, hey, you won't prevail. He's not saying that. He's actually saying on this revelation of who I am, I'm going to, I'm going to build up my family I'm going to build me a family, and I'm going to build a shelter of covering over it, and that's my household that I call my church. <laughs> I want you guys to see this from the Spirit and not just fun linguistics, all right? Jesus is not just talking about a church and and satanic warfare and us winning. It's, it's not just that. He's actually literally talking about building a family unto himself and then creating a covering over the family. That's called his church. It's his family. Everybody say his church, his church. is his family. His church is his house. It's his household. You guys with me? Okay. 1 Timothy 3.14, I'm doing a little review, um, 14 through 15. This is, this is Paul teaching Timothy how to build the local church. And, and in chapter 3, the verses prior to this, he's literally teaching him how to, how to raise up the leaders that God wants to put into the local church. So he's talking about raising up um, overseers, or some people call them bishops, but it's just talking about the, the people who are leading the church. In, in modern day, you guys call us pastors. Well, maybe some of us are, maybe we're not, but, but it's the leaders of the church, all right? And, and so, but then there's deacons, and those are the ones who work with the, the leaders to keep the function of the church going in the right way, all right? So it's talking about the, the local church setting is what this is talking about, and right out of talking about overseers and deacons, it flows into verse 14, and he says this, these things I write to you, though I hope to come to you shortly, but if I'm delayed, I write so that you may know how you ought to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth, all right? I want you guys to repeat this, how you should conduct yourself Say that, how you should conduct yourself in God's house, all right? 
So, so he's writing all this so that we can learn how to conduct ourselves in God's house. And so, but it, which is the church of the living God, it says. Now that word house is the word oikos, oikos. So it doesn't just mean the structure that you live in. It literally is talking about the actual household. It's talking about the family. All right, so it's not just talking about the church is the building and his glory comes in. Like, yes, but it's way deeper than that. It's actually his family. It's his family. How are you doing right now? Okay, it's his family. And he's saying that the house of God, the family of God, I want you to learn how to conduct yourself in the oikos of God, which is the church of the living God. All right, so this, this passage, uh, he, you know, he's talking about the house of God, and it doesn't, it doesn't just mean that we're learning how to behave ourselves when we go to church services. And I, I think that that's how a lot of people think, is, is we're, we're trying to learn how to do church well, okay? Like, go to church and do church well. When I'm there, how do we behave right in church services or in church gatherings or whatever? And, but that's not actually what he's talking about. He's trying to teach us how do we conduct ourselves as his family. Wake up, everybody behind the Cheney's. No, I'm just joking. Everybody else, let's wake up. All right, I want you guys to follow with me with your heart because the Lord actually is trying to cultivate in us a fresh new perspective. A fresh new perspective of what we're actually doing when we're coming together as church. It's not just doing the time. It's not just doing the religious service. It's the family of God coming together. And he's literally trying to teach Timothy how to train the people. These are the ways that we conduct ourselves as the oikos of God. This is how you behave as family members. God's kids and brothers and sisters to one another. How do we interact? How do we behave? The, the Lord wants to teach us how to do something that we might not know how to do rightly quite yet, okay? But it's literally saying that the house of God, the oikos, it's the family of God, is the church. Everybody say, the, the family of God is the church. This verse says that. A lot of people want to say, well, the family of God is way bigger than the church. Well, okay, but this specifically actually says that the family of God is the church. Okay? It's his family. This says that. I, I'm not making that up. All right? So most seasoned church attenders know how to conduct themselves in church services. But do we know really God's heart? How do we conduct ourselves as brothers and sisters to one another within our church. There's, there's challenges for us in this. That God wants to help us to reckon ourselves and determine, am I actually functioning the way that God says that I need to conduct myself as family to one another? <laughs> you guys follow me? Okay, the church is the house of God. The church is the household of God. That means the church is the family of God. There's, there's a lot of verses 
that I read last week, and if you didn't hear it, you can go back and listen to the podcast or the YouTube message, but I I went heavy on this, talking about oikos, 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 oikos. There are times, and that's hard for me to have just did that accurate, like without failing. I, fi- I succeeded. It's like a tongue twister. Why don't you guys try to say oikos six times in a row real quick? Yeah, I don't think anybody got it. All right? I've been practicing. But there are times when there's like four, four verses and it says oikos or a, a word that has the word oikos in it like six times. Oikos, 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 oink, 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 oink. It, but, the, but he's like, he, it's so important to God. That word, that concept of family, the concept of household. There's words that talk about people who are in the family. There's words that talk about people who are not in the family. And that God's dream is to bring people into his family. He's a father. All right? And I want to I give a few disclaimers because last week, um, some, sometimes I say things and it's impossible to follow it up with all the things I'm not saying. And sometimes we need to be able to say the things I'm not saying so you don't misinterpret what I'm trying to say. And it's impossible to, to, to do all of it in one message, but I, I want to give a little context to some things real quick, some disclaimers about, because uh, I, I talk about how God calls the church his family and there are people who claim to be part of the universal church but have no value for the local church. And, and I even said this, that, that, it, that you really technically can't be part of the universal church if you're not tied in with the local church because God is talking about the community of the believers who come together and have fellowship and interconnection with one another. And so a person can say, well, I'm in the kingdom, so I'm in the universal church, but they're isolated and have no relationship, no accountability, no encouragement. They're just doing it on their own. And I'm not saying that they don't have salvation because the church and salvation are not one and the same. You hear me? It's the blood of Jesus, the grace of God, and our faith that receives it that gives us salvation, not the church. But we need the church, okay? And so people can't say, well, I'm part of the church if they have separated themselves from it and have no value for it. You guys hearing what I'm saying? All right. So uh, the context is the heart posture and the commitment to the gathering of the believers. There's active participation and love and value for the ecclesia, for those who are part of his church. And, but, but there are people who have offense and there's distaste for the church and positioned against it and they call themselves Christians. And it's like, I'm not going to say that, you're, that this is a heaven or hell issue, but I am going to say it's probably a, you're part of the ecclesia or you're not by choice. Okay. It's not a judgment. I don't, I don't ever say these things out of judgment for people. I say it out of actual grief in my heart. Okay, you, you, guys, you guys understand what I'm saying here? All right. Um, uh, but there are some nuances when, I, when we talk about these things. Because I, I understand that there are times when people move to a new city and they haven't found a church yet. There's, there's, there's like that period of time 
you got to find a church. Like, I get it. Like, some people are in a season when they, there's no way they could have been in a church because life circumstances change that. Sometimes people actually leave churches for legitimate reasons, and so they're in a season where they haven't actually found their church home yet. Totally get that. That's not what I'm talking about. But when people turn their heart against the church, they've embittered themselves against God's actual family and the body of Christ, all right? So it's a heart posture, it's a commitment posture. You guys follow me on that? Sometimes people will go on a mission field and they'll go somewhere where the church doesn't exist. I'm not saying they're not part of the church, but I will say this, where the heart is with it is going to be telling about whether they're actually part of God's ecclesia or not. Um, I, because I believe, I, I, would, I would never want to um, encourage somebody to launch out into a mission field and not be tied at a heart level back to a home church that's a sending church. So, so a person can be sent and commissioned somewhere where there's not church, but there's that, that relational covenant commitment back home where, the, where there still is connection to the local church. Okay, so there's, I just want you guys to understand, like there's situations that are going to be different than the norm for most people. All right. Um, you can still be a part of a family and be completely disconnected to the family and, and not even be acting like the family. All right. You, you can be related, but not actually functioning like family. All right. You can be someone's offspring, but not position your heart as a son or a daughter to them. So, so you, you can be related, but not actually engaged as family. And so when people leave the church, I'm not saying that they're, that they're not a part of the body of Christ, but, but they're a part that they've severed themselves off from the rest, and the whole is what makes the church. That makes sense? Cool. Thanks, Angel. You are my primary audience this morning, I think. <laughs> but the, like the picture of the prodigal son is, it, to me is a, is a real clear story of like the home is the church, like the household, that's, that would look like the church. And then there's the father, right, which is God. And so the prodigal, um, he actually chose to leave his home and he actually disowned his family and that did not mean that he was no longer his son anymore, but he chose to become independent and separated from his father. And so even though the father knows that's still my son, he has positioned himself separated from me, and he's not acting like my son anymore. Okay? And he, he left the family. He left his brothers. And he didn't act like a brother anymore. So that doesn't mean that there's not bloodline relationship, but, but there's not the covenant commitment anymore. He has chosen on his own to excommunicate himself from the family. And that's what people do a lot when they're leaving churches and they turn their heart against the church. They, they may say, well, I'm still a son of God, but I don't have anything to do with the church because such and such and such and such and such whatever their reasons are, but they're, but they're actually choosing to remove themselves from the church. And I'm not saying that they lost their salvation, but I am saying, dang it, that's a bummer because that's not oikos. God is all about his oikos. 
And God in his oikos, he wants us to be able to, uh, it doesn't mean that we ignore the problems that would have made him leave. It's more like, no, we got to identify the problems so that we can work through them and get reconciliation and that we can get healing so that we can start functioning more healthy as a family. Come on. You guys hear what I'm saying? <clears throat> and there are people who get burnt out on church. <laughs> and, and like, I, I get it. I get it. Like when we get burnt out on church, let me tell you, it's probably not actually what the part of, like when God looks at his church and he knows what this true essence and spirit of his church is. I don't think that's what people get burnt out on. I think it's people's false version of the church and going through the routines and the rhythms that God never actually intended. That's what people get burnt out on. Or, or people get burnt out maybe on, on just going through the motions and it's religion, but it's not actually worship to the Lord. Oh yeah, you can get burnt out on that. But when people get burnt out on church, let me tell you, it's because they've actually lost sight of who the church really is what the church really is because because they're in the in the kingdom of god relationship there's actually covenant and 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 like you don't get to be married and then say well i got burnt out so i'm out of here people do it but it's not right and so you, 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 it's, not, it's not okay to allow yourself to even get to the point where you get burned out on a marriage. So when you start feeling that, that hardness or that, that you get bored or whatever it is, and whatever it is, like what has to happen is a reevaluation of what, how, how am I actually perceiving this person? How am I actually perceiving our relationship with one another because something got distorted? And I started seeing things wrong, and so my heart began to get hardened, or their heart did, whatever the case may be. My point is, like, when we get to the place of hardening, it's not their fault, it's ours. And something shifted in a not good place, and we need to recalibrate to God's heart and to find out why am I feeling this way? Because I'm, I'm, I'm connecting with something that's not the real thing that God's created. Thanks, brother. I, I want to. I do want to say this. I, I've been talking a lot about the ecclesia and, and how important it is. And I, I want to acknowledge that not every church is going to look like this kind of a congregational church. And I'm okay with that. Like, it's like people might interpret what I'm saying through lenses. That's not actually what I'm saying. Because I'm not trying to say that it has to be this type of church. There are home churches out there that are kingdom, true, healthy home churches. That's fine. There are cathedral churches that are true, healthy churches. That's fine. There, I don't know if you guys would believe me on this unless you've been out west. There are cowboy churches out there. There are. And they, they all show up in their walk like this and... <laughs> And they bring their lassos and their cowboy hats and guns on. I'm just joking. I don't know if they do all that. 
but the true cowboys, and they, they meet together, and they call it repping for Jesus, and, and that's awesome, but as long as the, the body's coming together and, and honor and love for one another, and there's the Lord, and there are specific things that God has, has ordained that needs to be there for churches. I'm not going to break it all apart, but I can tell you this, that um, the, the God's churches, I believe, have been planted by being commissioned by, by people who could actually vouch for them, and there's covering on them. I, I believe that's important for a healthy church. I believe that there's got to be accountability for it to be a healthy church. I believe that there has to actually be leadership established for it to be a healthy church. Some people gather together and we say, we're a church, but we don't need a leader. Well, sorry, that's a great Bible study. But it's not ecclesia, because God puts shepherds with sheep for the protection and guidance, okay? So God does that. But I'm just saying, I want you to understand, like, I'm not trying to confine this concept of ecclesia to what we're doing. This is just what God called us to do, and this is what we're going after, okay? You guys okay? Are you sure? All right, we can, would you rather us go back to healing and intercession, or we good? Sweet. My iPad's acting weird on me. Give me, give me just a few more, more minutes here. <clears throat> I want to I want to say some of this too. We talk about family. We talk about God's family. Um, <clears throat> some people love that concept because, like, oh yeah, the, I'm a, I'm a relational person, and I want I want a deepen relationship with people. I want to surround myself with community. Some people when they hear church is a family. They freak out because <clears throat> they're like, I don't want to be amongst people like what I grew up with. <laughs> and so, so people have this concept of God's family. Well, it must, you must be saying that it's going to look simple, similar to what I came out of that I don't want anything to do with. But I want to tell you that we can't measure God's family and what he's trying to build by the standards of the families that we grew up in. Because it's not the same thing. And, and the Father God is not the same person as your dad was. Whether he's great or not, he's not the same person. He can't be confined to the image of what your lens has crafted about what a dad looks like. He's way greater than that. <clears throat> Amen? So we, we can't reduce God's concept of family to what we've experienced in our own homes. He's a good father. And in Matthew 7, 11, Jesus said, if you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your father in heaven, who is in heaven, give you good things if you ask of him? And Jesus is basically saying like, I know that you have good families, but compared to my father, it's nothing close. Like we might as well rank that as evil compared to how good he is. And so we're not calling anybody's dad evil, but the point is that God's family is far superior to what you and I grew up in. Does that make sense? And he's perfect in forming his family. That doesn't mean everything we see in the family looks perfect, but God is perfect in forming his family. And, you know, in Philippians 1.6, Paul says this, I'm confident in this very thing that he who began a good work in you will perfect it until the day of Jesus Christ. So God is actually 
working on perfecting something that's imperfect. He's, he's, he's literally trying to make it better than it already is. Amen? And he's our dad. We're his kids. We're his family. <laughs> he's a good father to you. He's not just a good father that he's God over all people. Like he's singling you out. He's singling you out. Looking at you, looking at your heart, holding you in his hands. And he's saying, this is my beloved child whom I'm well pleased. He's looking at you. Don't think of the person next to you. You. He loves you. He loves you so much that he made you his daughter. He made you his son. He loves being with you, and he loves you being with him. He's a good father. He's a good daddy. He's a family God. And guess what? A good dad who has multiple kids loves it when everybody's together having family time, and the kids are, are having a blast together. There's nothing more precious than being a dad looking at my kids, seeing them having a blast together and doing the right things while they're having that blast. Because sometimes they have a blast doing the wrong things, and I don't love that. <clears throat> but, God, but God is a family God, and he wants us to be family people. Are you guys processing in your hearts these things? Because there's connotations with it. There's responsibility with it. There's, there's decisions of interactiveness with it. There's commitments with it. There's sacrifice with it. There's putting yourself down or putting yourself aside and your, your needs aside and your time aside to prefer someone else above yourself. Things like that. It's family. Some people may have come from families that didn't know how to love well, but God wants to train us how to love well. Hallelujah. Um, our natural family dynamics and, and the cultures of our families are generally dysfunctional by nature. <laughs> and I put myself in that too. Okay? There's issues. I don't care who you are. There's something that's an issue. Every single person in this world, and that includes me, was born into this world a spiritual orphan. A fatherless child. I'm not saying, talking about you don't have mom and dad at home. I'm talking about in the spirit, that, that you're disconnected from the father God. And so when, when you don't have a daddy around or a mommy around, you, get, you, you grow up deficient of important things that you need to be healthy and whole. And so every single person, until they get born again, is born into this world a spiritual orphan, disconnected from a father who loves them so much. <clears throat> and we're all spiritual orphans until we become sons and daughters of God. All right? And we're, we're, even when you, we, be, we get saved and we discover we're sons and daughters of God, we still function like orphans 
until we start learning how to conduct ourselves in the oikos of God, which is the church of Jesus Christ. That passage in 1 Timothy that I just read, I'm, gonna, I'm teaching you how to conduct yourself in the house of God, which is the church of Christ. It's, it's learning how to conduct ourselves as the oikos, not just going to church, not just doing Christian. I'm, I don't just care about learning how to conduct myself as a Christian around Christians. No, as a family. That's what he's talking about. You guys all right? So it's a progressive journey of coming into true sonship. And, and people can only reproduce who they are. And so if we're functioning as orphans, we're going to reproduce orphans. And if we understand and, and come into sonship and, and learn who we are as sons and daughters, we're going to reproduce sons and daughters. And the Lord is trying to improve us layer by layer, day by day, progressive improvement, coming into our sonship, our daughtership, to a good father, learning how to re receive his love, learning how to give love well to one another. I want you guys stand with me. I, I, want us to, I want to pray and then I'll dismiss you guys, but I, I don't know if what I'm talking about right now is a very popular message. I, 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 don't, like, I don't know how it's affecting people. It, it might make people uncomfortable or it might stir up passion. I don't know. But I know one thing. It's in God's heart, and that's really the main thing I care about. I do care about your heart, but, but I, sometimes the Lord is trying to bring kingdom to us in ways that it's not actually happening yet to change us, to be more like Jesus. And you know what? He's a family God, and he wants you to be his family people. So, Lord, I pray for us right now in Jesus' name that you, that you will reveal the Father to us. And I ask you to reveal our sonship and our daughtership to you or to each other. <clears throat> Holy Ghost, I, I pray that you will also reveal our brothers and sisters to us. That we'll be able to see one another as sons and daughters of you. And that we'll be able to see them as brothers and sisters of us. I ask you, Lord, to stir a holy agape love in our hearts that's beyond what we currently function from, that selfless love, that selfless, unconditional love. Lord, that you will fill our hearts with a love for our brothers and sisters that's beyond anything we've ever known. You said that the, they will know you are my disciples by how you love one another. And I pray that you will fill us with the love and teach us how to do love well, that you'll teach us, Lord, how to conduct ourselves in the oikos of God, in the household of God, how to conduct ourselves in, in knitting our hearts together with the ones that you put us around so that we can truly become what you call family, that we won't just use it 
as a label that we love to talk about, but we will actually be it and be willing to pay the price to do it well. So help us, God, to become everything, everything that you're dreaming of your church to be. God, this is your version of the church. Hallelujah. I bless everybody right now in Jesus' name.